HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode brought to you by Appeal, helping you to enjoy your fruits and vegetables at peak freshness and reduce food waste. Learn more at appeal.com, A-P-E-E-L.com. Whenever, had a little beautiful problem today, but whatever, we'll talk about it later. Uh, joined, as usual, with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez at her undisclosed location in Southern California. How you doing, Nastasia? Good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We don't sound me it's like, good. <laughs> I just want to get to the meat of the show. Just, I don't know, just excited to get to that. All right, fine. Uh, we, got, uh, we got John in uh, New York City, his Upper East Side uh, uh, customer service Heidi Hole. How you doing, John? Doing well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, un- unusual because she's such a fan of our actual guest. Oh, we have Matt in his booth, in his Rhode Island booth. Didn't mean to leave you out there, Matt. No uh, offense taken. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and we have Rebecca the Boondoggler Halgovics here, our uh, intrepid PR uh, agent. Do not call her a flack. She does not enjoy mm-hmm. being called a flack. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, we we talk about this pretty much every time I'm on the show. I feel like I know, but like I still don't understand it. And <laughs> oh, interestingly annoying. enough, just checking that it's still true. Oh, so oh, it's still true. Uh, our guest, by the way, started out his career in PR, and so maybe he can give me a better understanding of why it is considered, uh, you know, a, a not a good term. We have on the show today. Editor, uh, editor at large, still editor at large, right? Correct. That's not, that title hasn't changed, right? Ah, uh, it has changed. <laughs> I'm, uh, a, I'm a free agent. I, oh, I can't wait to dive into that one. <laughs> all right, former, former editor at large, uh, whatever <laughs> editor at large means. Anyway, I've always wondered. It's kind of a cool title, but I don't really know what it means. Uh, at Chowhound, uh, we have Joey Sladani here with his new book, Basic. Basic bitch, and you basically you take kitchen and you knock the K off and you replace it with a B, and you have the basic bitch. And ha- welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I feel like I am um, going to be a different guest <laughs> than uh, what you usually have. So <laughs> yeah, and and uh, on the flip side, we're probably going to be asking you maybe slightly different things than your average uh, person interviewing you would be asking you anyway. So can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a so so. All right, so. I was going to go into the thing, but since it's recently and you said you're ready to dish on this whole no longer the editor-at-large and Chowhound, uh, go. Yeah, no. So Chowhound is actually CBS Interactive's food and lifestyle brand. I've been with uh, them for about three years. 
And we were kind of part of this whole Red Ventures acquisition where they took over CBS Interactive entirely. So what's this, Red Ventures anyway, before you go? Because I read uh, that, but I have no idea what a Red Ventures yeah, is. Yeah, it's a media company. So they own PointSky, uh, Greatest, Healthline. Uh, yeah, so the state of Chowhound right now is kind of TBD. So uh, people still assume I'm associated with them, but I'm like, no, because we're not creating any more content so uh so so yeah. so no, no one is it's not just you it's not just, just like, me it's, yeah the entire staff was laid off so oh we'll see what they do yeah tough times tough times but wow that's so strange because you would assume that like you know people need this kind of food information via the internet now more than ever it seems yeah. like a weird move no one would think, but I think it was just part of this overall deal where honestly CNET was our flagship site and it's worth a hell of a lot more than Chowhound's worth uh, just because of their readership and the advertising revenue that they get. So we were kind of packaged in with them and that's just how it how it happened. But ultimately it's good for me because now I have no more exclusivity and I can do my own thing. So <laughs> congratulations. Well, you know, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, back in back back in the day, if you were going to buy a uh, a printer, man, CNET was the place to go on the on those reviews. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, I gotta I gotta buy a I gotta buy a camera. I'll go on CNET. You know what I mean? Like that was the thing. Yeah. I mean that's still their bread and butter, and they're I'm assuming they're going to continue with that. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see maybe how they incorporate Chowhound and potentially some kitchen appliance reviews um, into it. So we'll see. Everything's TBD, kind of like all of this year. <laughs> so, we, so when you were working at Chowhound, like how much did you feel like, you know, you guys were, you know, not given the, like the full power that you should have because you were part of this like CNET Big Brother situation? Like, did it feel like that or did it not feel like that day to day? You know, it was nice because we did really work independently. We were very unique to the portfolio. There was nobody else doing food in the space uh, when it came to CBS. So uh, they didn't really dictate a lot of our content other than I would say maybe kind of e-commerce driven things because everybody loves, you know, a gift guide. Um, everybody loves, um, God, we were doing just like product roundups during some of these like major food holidays and, and holidays that we shouldn't even be celebrating. Um, that was kind of what they were making money off of, but it's just like every other, you know, business model. How, right. Where can we make the most money, um, doing the dumbest things? Um, but we really did work independently and, uh, that was the beauty of it. You know, we really got to delve into aspects of food that weren't like super mainstream. We got to highlight a lot of chefs and restaurants and stories that, a lot of other publications really weren't tackling. So I was proud of the work that we did. I didn't feel like we had this corporate umbrella controlling our every move, but uh, obviously there was still that small element of it. And as a result, we were sold. <laughs> Man. So. You have any, you have any uh, really, uh, when you're doing product roundups that you didn't enjoy anything really stand out as something you really hated having to round up a review? So I maintain some editorial integrity here. <laughs> if I didn't like something, I just didn't write about it uh at all we just didn't include it but i will say that's has more applied to when i did restaurant guides or travel guides and you know i would visit certain places that uh you know maybe a publicist for a travel board put together and um I just had to kindly tell them I was not going to be writing about their food. <laughs> so 
but product wise, we if if it sucks, uh, we would just tell the publicist and not include it. Right, but there's certain things that, like for instance, in your book, yeah. in your book, basic picture, you take like a kind of no judgment attitude towards. Sure. So like e- even on really? things that you hate, <laughs> I feel well, like I'm very judgmental. No, but like. <laughs> No, but like no judgment. In other words, like you're heavily judgmental about a lot of things, but you are nice <laughs> to people who want something and yes. you're like, you can have it. You know what I mean? Yes. That kind of no judgment. Exactly. No shame. I fully support yeah. that. That's probably better, Rebecca. No shame is probably better than no judgment. Like there's always judgment. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sa- same way at the bar. It's like, I want you to be happy, but secretly I'm judging you about your order for sure. You know what sure. I mean? But like, yeah. But like, for, for instance, like you, know, you have a cauliflower uh, pizza recipe and you're like, a few cauliflower people, but here it is because I know you want it. You know what I mean? So like, yes. it's an interesting stance it takes. So I'm sure Chahan is the same thing. It's like, well, I have to round up this series of things that I personally despise. Yes. However, it's like, I want to give you a quality version of this thing that I despise. So that's where I did kind of have to be a little bit more restrained because I was under the CBS umbrella, you know, where <laughs> I had, you know, that corporate influence because you don't want to get an RFP from a client that, you know, you maybe bashed three months ago and you're scrambling to hide that article. <laughs> so, because yes. um, at the end of the day, they're just there to make money, you know, as all these major corporations are. But, um, but yeah, that is the tone I took from my, with my book. And I did try to apply it to a lot of my writing. I just had to be a little bit careful with calling out brands specifically. Right, right. Uh, on the cauliflower pizza, by the way, when did that happen? Why did, is that an Oprah thing? Did Oprah make that happen? Uh, <laughs> no, because Oprah loves bread. So <laughs> she shouted she that a, from the she, rooftops. <laughs> but she has, a cali- she has a cauliflower pizza brand. She has she a cauliflower does. pizza brand. Yeah, and the cauliflower mash. Uh, yeah, she's, she loves a cauliflower moment. I mean, she loves, listen, she, Oprah's got her big old like garden that she likes to show off on Instagram every day. And um, I'm sure that she just like, had an abundance of cauliflower and was like, I'm going to make this a thing. And it became popularized. But um, no, I feel like the cauliflower trend was there a lot longer than, than Oprah's or at least after she gave her seal of approval, (laughs) made it a favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so so I guess like I just just didn't hit my radar until it got Oprahified. I mean, just so you know, like I kind of like just to show you how out of touch I am. I lost touch with Oprah after she decided to sing her own theme song back when she still had that show. I was like, Oprah doesn't need to sing her own. She can get the best hey, singers you in the sing world. Your own theme song. I don't have a theme song. <laughs> you do uh, <laughs> the cooking issues. It's not singing. It's not singing. He does, he does sing many a jingle on this show. And though, you do love yeah. musicals, Dave. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, who, who does not love musicals? You turn your Bad life people. into a musical. Look, I love musicals. What do you want out of me? <laughs> Wait, but Dave, do you like movie musicals? Because I... I love musicals. I'm a Broadway queen, but I hate anything that's put on the big screen. What about like, Moulin Rouge? Uh, not obsessed. Like, and I'll just go off and say I hated the prom. <laughs> I don't know if you just saw it. You came out of I know, I didn't see it. Hated. Oh, not just hated. Loathed and like I just oh. <laughs> what what, what about? Heart. It was a big miss. What about? movies that have songs in them but aren't really musicals like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, I can deal with that. Kind of like a Wizard of Oz situation. Um, yeah. That's fine. I think the only movie musical I was obsessed with was Chicago. Yeah, I never saw it. 
Never saw it. <gasps> what about Sound was of that, Music? Was that Renee Zellweger did that? Who did yeah, that? Renee Zellweger. Yeah, mm. and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, Sound of Music, yeah, that's fine. I feel like some of the, the classics old. I can deal with more. Yeah. Um, because it is like, it's supposed to be kind of campy and it, it works for the times. <laughs> but Like nowadays, South Pacific? Like South yeah, Pacific, yes, no. Yeah, yes, yes. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a general, I don't know. They rub me the wrong I way. I don't know. I agree. Womp Honestly. womp, yeah. <laughs> Nastasia doesn't about, like a like, movie the live action ones I'm not obsessed with those either because I'm like you're yeah. completely manipulating like my childhood memories and <laughs> I just <laughs> I don't know maybe I'm a damaged person and this is like a trigger for me but <laughs> let's talk you're more talking about, about that yeah, talking about right. the... <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca are you talking about the live action Lion King now or is, are there other ones or are you just calling out Lion King no no like I'm Mulan well, oh I yeah, I forgot that more, happened. No, like the live ones that they do that that are like on TV and oh, they like have Oh, their yeah. Those are like fun. The Grinch with Matthew Morrison. <laughs> what? Oh, like, who based his Grinch off of uh the Joker? Like what? <laughs> really? Look, every Grinch, every Grinch other than the original just didn't need to exist and where the hell is Phil Bravo Nastasia to do his yearly Grinch PS? Are we doing oh, a yeah. show next week? I don't know. I need Phil Bravo's <laughs> Grinch. First I think we all, have to do a show next well, week Christmas just to get, just is to next get week, Phil Bravo. So I figured then. Next week. Yeah. All right. Anyone who anyone who knows this show knows that we are fans of the original Thurl Ravencroft, aka Tony the Tiger, singing the Grinch song yes. with Boris Karloff during narration. Yeah, that's it. That's Amazing. the Grinch. But I will say, I do love Jim Carrey as the Grinch. I, I know that may be an unpopular opinion, yeah. but I, I think I mean, he in my did house, amazing. that's unpopular. <laughs> I mean, I, look, Jim Carrey is one of those people that, like, amazingly talented, but, like, I don't know. Like, okay, Ace Ventura, could you watch that whole movie? Like, the first three minutes of the funniest thing that's ever been filmed ever when he's that UPS guy, but the rest of it, I mean, really? I, I Jim Carrey, I either love him or hate him, you know what I mean? And yeah. Grinch is. What about his Biden? He, he's, a, he's a great Biden. <laughs> I think he's a great Biden. You know, but he, I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, anyway, I, I, don't know, I don't know how we got into quickly? this. Yeah, sure. Joey, I saw yeah. in your bio that you've been struck by lightning. Yes. Whoa, 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 what? Can we talk about that? <laughs> sure can. Um, I, it was the summer before my freshman year of college. I grew up in Florida and, you know, lightning's a bit unpredictable. And I was walking my dog. My dog was on a retractable leash. I lived on a cul-de-sac across the way. I was getting the mail. Lightning actually hit the tree next to me and the current traveled underneath, I guess, because of its roots, but it literally zapped my feet. Um, I had welts and um, like lacerations going up my legs and literally all my hair was like standing on edge and I had to go to the ER and they ran a bunch of tests. But if it was a direct hit, I would have, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, but yeah, hit, hit the, what happened to the dog. The dog was fine, but this was, was so crazy because the dog was across the street on an uh, island of, uh, island of grass, but I jumped so high and so quickly when it happened that my dog's entire collar came off over his head without snapping off. Like I jerked it. <laughs> yeah. I jerked it that quickly. It was almost like a Houdini trick. And it just, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And then I was so disoriented. I actually ran opposite direction of my house. All I could see was like 
checkerboards in my brain. It was so bizarre. The flash of light ruined my vision for a good 30 seconds. I ran opposite of my house. And um, by the time I kind of realized what happened, I just literally collapsed within or by my front door. It was, it was awful. <laughs> could 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 you? What's it like? Could you even hear it? Was it so loud that you couldn't even hear it? Like, did so, your eardrums rupture? Yeah, no, my eardrums did not rupture, but it was extremely loud. It was like that that pop um, of sound, and it was more so just ringing, and my, my ears were ringing nonstop after that. But um, how how is this not in your bio on on your website? I it don't is. know. I feel well, like it's I, on <laughs> Amazon. It's on Amazon. That's where I Amazon. It, yeah, for the book. I was Rebecca did someone. all her research, Dave. Rebecca Joey, 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 research. Joey. If I if I was gonna write an about me, yeah, and I got struck by lightning. That would be P.S. Struck by lightning. It would be like Dave Lightning Arnold. You know what I mean? I, I, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I want my other talents to speak for themselves. Yeah, that's so. fair. That's <laughs> but fair. Uh, I'm sorry. I, oh, no, I, that's oh, why I put it. I put it. In, I put it in my, up, my book bio. If you get struck right before you arrive on campus freshman year, you've got to be known as like the lightning kid, though, right? I mean, oh, that's the lightning boy. No, I was just known as the closeted homosexual. That's basically <laughs> <laughs> that's that was my college uh, nickname. Uh-huh. Um, no, I. I don't know, because it, it's just, it's Florida. Like, how Florida can that story be, where you just, like, casually are getting the mail, and then lightning hits a tree next to you, and you get struck? I don't know. It's just kind of something you brush off. <laughs> but uh, where are Florida, I mean, where Florida, Florida where anyway. uh, Naples, Florida. Oh, Naples, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever go to that big marble, uh, big marble house? What is that, Ringling Brothers, Barnum the house, that big giant marble house? Isn't that Naples? No, that's in Sarasota. Yeah. I oh, really? That's Sarasota. No, the, the, cir- the circus is Sarasota, but I thought one of their mansions was down in Naples. Eh, my memory gets bad as I get older. It may be. There are a lot of random ass mansions in Naples, Florida. <laughs> yeah. I, I went. To, you ever go to the circus in Sarasota? That was uh, that was fun. I used to do that. No, I never, never went. Nah, nah. That museum so, was wild. Yeah. Did, did, uh, yeah. The, cl- the clown college was there. Yeah. Back in the day. Nah. It was. Uh, did you ever, did your taste buds change at all? Or did you have any like lingering, like temporary when you got hit by lightning? Was it, like, seriously, your sense of smell or did anything get whacked out? Like, did you have like some sort of spidey sense? Like, when, no, I've always kept kind of curious. No, the only like sensory thing that I noticed right away is that all of the saliva in my mouth was just gone. Like it evaporated. Uh, so I, I mean, I, my go-to wasn't to go grab a bag of Cheetos. It was to, you know, get rushed to the emergency room. But afterwards, I I don't, I, nothing was lingering. And even the doctor, like, you know, they did the EKG. They did um, the, I think they, I didn't even get an MRI. I don't even remember. Um, but they ran a million tests, blood tests, everything. And I was fine. Never noticed anything lingering. I wish I had a spidey sense that I developed, you know, after the fact, but no. Nothing. Yeah, well, you make one up and then blame it on the lightning or attribute it to the lightning. Every, well, you know what? As I feel like I'm starting to slip mentally, I, I you know I keep blaming the pandemic. Maybe I should start blaming the lightning strike. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so. All right. So so before we get into the present, one more thing from your past. You did PR for TLC, which why is that called the Learning Channel? What is anyone learning on that? Page? It's not. They re, they rebranded it as just TLC. Even when I was there, but they just didn't want to change it i guess (laughs) um so even though it stands for the learning channel we never put that in any of our press materials it's just always tlc (laughs) and 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 you you ran the pr 
for a show that is currently ruining my life here in, in my house because my son Booker is obsessed with my strange addiction. Only he thinks it's freaking real. Can you just tell him that like, not to try to emulate any of these my strange addiction people? For real. Do, do not emulate, but it's absolutely real. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. Listen to this. I know. It, I mean, it's not the magic of television. These are actual people who reach out to the production company during casting who have legitimate issues. And frankly, it's like the only time they can get help. It's a it's almost like a last cry for help. Um, either because they're uninsured or they just don't have the means to, you know, to to find a psychiatrist. But a lot of these cases, or all of them, were real. We just, you know, obviously had to go through the vetting process and make sure that they could be put on television. Um, but it was the craziest experience. And I would work with the production team being like, okay, which one of these lists of 12 people this season are, I guess, sane enough to be on television and do press interviews? <laughs> So, that was my job is kind of gleaning <laughs> through and being like, okay, this person drinks their own blood, but they'd be great on Dr. Oz. <laughs> well, that, that checks out. That totally, you know, I, I, I worked for Dr. Oz for a summer. Yeah. You know yeah. Yeah. When he was still doing actual doctor work, he ran a lab at Columbia where my mom's a, a professor, a doctor. And so I would get jobs at the, at the labs. And, you know, I was in his lab. It was crazy. It was before he was big, before he was famous, but it's kind of weird. He, wow. that summer we were also working with um, Dr. Jarvik, who was, you know, the person who made the first, first fake heart they put into somebody. Yeah. You know, my mom's in the transplant program, which is weird. Jarvik, quack, dude. I don't know. He seemed like maybe he was a nice guy, but like the, the research we were doing, like it was, we fundamentally sewed. So, I don't know how many how much you guys think of human hearts, but like the left ventricle is like the strong thing that pumps out to the rest of the body, right? It's like the strongest part of the heart because it could oomph where it pumps the blood out to the rest of your body. And so they, when your left ventricle is not strong enough, they make these things called LVADs, left ventricular assist device devices. This is back in the early 90s. No, maybe not even, maybe late 80s, early 90s. I can't remember. And um, so everyone was making these things. And so... Dr. Jarvik came to Dr. Oz's lab because they de developed this one that was like, it looked like a little freaking mixer, dude. It was like an inline blender. And we're like, yo, this is going to like ruin the blood because blood, I don't know if you know this, blood doesn't like to be hacked up into tiny pieces. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> it wants to go gently. Like your, your heart goes, bloop, 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 not, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we were like, all right. So like they got this sheep, we put the sheep, the sheep, you know, it's a sheep. And, you know, we, you know, me and the other knuckleheads my age, we're assisting them with the operation and we have to take care of the sheep afterwards. Sheep wakes up. It's like, man, boom, hits the ground, dies. We're like, yeah, yeah. it's blood oh that turned gosh. into a slushy. Yeah. Oh we're like, yo, gosh. doesn't work, Whoa. man. Doesn't work. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know what you don't want to visit? It, like any place that they do uh, animal testing. They, oh, they have no. a place where you have to, yeah, you have to dispose of the, well, the really sad thing is another summer I worked there, they were doing research, another heart, uh, heart transplant research, because yeah, you, you really, when you're doing heart transplants, like one of the big things, they've gotten really, really good at it. But when they were like earlier on, they, they, they used to have to try to figure out what kind of fluid they were going to put it in. Right. So like, cause they don't just like, it, it, it you know, they, they have to perfuse it with like a, you know, like some sort of fluid to mimic bodily fluid. So it doesn't dry out or get all nasty. 
as it's going in literally in a freaking igloo cooler in an airplane, like helicopter, Learjet, however they're getting it from like the unfortunate donor to the lucky uh, recipient. Like it's in this, and so like they, we were testing different fluids. So literally we would get a pig, they would cut its heart out. They would cut a piece of the heart, put it in the fluid and then take two little forceps and go and stretch it to see how stretchy the heart muscle was afterwards and try to back correlate that to how likely you were to be able to resuscitate a patient or get the heart started again. Eh, but the, here's the bad part. I don't know. This is why I brought it up. We were not allowed to use the rest of the pig. Once a pig has been used for medical research, even though we weren't putting any nasty stuff into it, mm. it all had to go to waste. How depressing mm. is that? No Sunday morning bacon. That's sad. No. Although I have to say, <laughs> you, do, do you guys know what a bovie is? No. <laughs> so the a bovie is like an electro a cautery device. So like it's it looks like it looks like a little tiny like spatula, like metal spatula, and and it, and it goes me and you like oh. it cauterizes things. Dr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pimple me. Popper uses those. Right? Uh, oh, nice! Is, is, that, is, that, is that the new Doctor Zismore? Is Doctor is Doctor Pimple Popper the new Zismore? No, she's like way beyond that. She has yeah. a YouTube following of like nine million people and has a show on TLC actually now. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes full circle, yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, in my in my heart, the only dermatologist is Doctor Z. So because I you know, grew up watching stuff on the subway. Yeah. But anyway, thank you, Doctor Zismore. Remember his ads? Anyone remember his ads? Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's like all these like, you know, classic like New York, mopey New York types who are like, thank you, doctors, there's more. <laughs> I, I used to love that. Anyway, and on the subway, like the picture of like the, the poor like teenager with like, you know, like she had all kind of skin problems and her with a big smile on her face afterwards. Thanks, doctors, there's more. Anyway, uh, so anyway, so the, <laughs> the issue is when you're using one of these, when you're going to operate on a human, you use a scalpel and you cut, you know, you make a nice cut and you use the electrocautery device to cauterize bleeders mm -hmm. you know and then plus we had what we used to call the mr thirsty you know the the vacuum machine like you would have at the dentist to like get rid of all the fluids but the surgeons didn't care because the pigs were on their way out you know i mean they weren't gonna so they would they didn't want blood everywhere so they would literally make the incision with the with the bogey with the electrocautery device and the whole room smelled like a mixture of death and and cooked pork and so like Every day I had to go out and eat BLTs just to reaffirm that I could still do this because it was so gross <laughs> oh, to me. Wait, what? You were eating BLTs every day that you were working in this place? I had to, I, I, I had to, look, although I didn't want to go clockwork orange on this thing, right? Where I can't listen to Beethoven anymore. So I had yeah. to like go out and do with it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Wow. Yikes. I, I would have taken a couple years off. You were stealing the meat and bringing it home and cooking with it. So I feel like this is a win for everyone. <laughs> they, they, oh, they would have caught you. They would have caught you. Like we, we tried to use the parts. So like there was someone like there was someone like a couple floors down who was doing research on a different organ, and occasionally they'd be like, "Can we come up and get the intestines?" We're like, "Yeah, yeah." Like little tradesies. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gagging. Yeah. Oh my god. god. It's like do you want a little formaldehyde with your, you know, ham hock? <laughs> no. Oh, man. I, I wish we had the formaldehyde, man. Dude, it makes this makes your dissection room in high school look so mellow. And then when you like like God bless the people who, I mean whatever. 
there, when you get, when you're done with it, you have to go to this place that we used to have a sign on it, necropsy room. That's where all the animal carcasses went afterwards. And oh my God, horror show. <laughs> like oh. a complete, a complete horror show. Like if you like, look, you know, we were very indoctrinated while we were going about the needs for vivisection for medicine and all this stuff. But if you have any anti-vivisection inclinations at all, if anyone secreted a camera into the into the necropsy disposal room, I mean, oh my God, it is a horror show. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. All right. Yay. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm like. You're triggering a PTSD because I took an animal rights class in college and I legitimately went vegan for two weeks after that because I was horrified by what I saw. And now it's bringing back those memories. Well, you might so do that again. I was just going to say, thank you for, you know, speeding up this, what was supposed to be a 2021 diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yikes. Well, Yikes. You know, I'm, I'm nothing if not triggering, right, Nastasia? <laughs> True. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of triggering, you bring up Yankee Candle two times uh, in your book. Uh, do they really have a farmer's market scented Yankee Candle? You better believe it. And do you know how pissed off I am that they, their PR person hasn't caught on yet and sent me like cases of them? <laughs> Like, hey, was... if anyone out there is listening, send Joey his candles already. <laughs> yes, this was free publicity for them. Uh, no, they do. It's a farmer. It's called Farmer's Market, and I'm obsessed. What's it smell like? A farmer's market. But what's that smell like? <laughs> no, it's like it's like cinnamon brooms. It's like oh, Joey, Dave, and I have a farmer's market uh, scavenger. Is it a scavenger hunt, Dave? Where you have to catch all of the th- you have to find one hungover chef a lesbian <laughs> couple fighting about some type of <laughs> fruit or vegetable children learning about uh strange things and the smell of lavender what else was there dave that's epic uh well well nastasia do you want to pitch our other show where no. it's like who wants to nope. be a millionaire but nope. the final no nope. all right just keep saying no. I do think you should publish the whole scavenger hunt list like in the early spring in the Booger and Dax newsletter. Yeah, so that people can play that's along. a good newsletter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. But we, we but we can never in public talk about our other show, right, Stas? Yeah. Let's. Okay. Your PR person is on the phone. So, yeah. This is no. like the one week where you can't get away with this. Yeah. This is yeah, why I don't yeah. listen to the show the rest of the time because <laughs> right, I get right, too right. stressed. Sure, sure. All right, so Joey, uh, I forget where you say it, but you you express your your well, uh, you know, your correct hatred of malls. But yeah. for any for anyone who's old enough, none of you guys like there used to be a candle store called Wicks and Sticks, and it was not a mall without Wicks and Sticks. That is the seventies, eighties candle store like to beat. And I feel like I feel like like Yankee Candle, they have their own stores, Yankee Candle, right? They don't just, they don't only sell like in other places, don't they? Yeah, they've they got brick stores. and mortar, yeah. yep. And they knock you back, right? Someone opens a Yankee Candle door and you're like, oh, right? It's like, it's like <laughs> oh, I love it. Face. I welcome it with open arms. I bathe in it. <laughs> and it's like, it makes like Sephora smell neutral. It's like so <laughs> stinky. It's, it's like the entire corner of the mall, like King of Prussia <laughs> outside of Philadelphia, like you could immediately tell when you were in like a 300 foot vicinity of the Yankee Candle store. I love it. It's but, amazing. But, Good branding. I want to make a, I want to make a pitch for the Wicks and Sticks. Like, Cause I don't, I, I, I can't go into a Yankee Candle store because of like triggering, like I'll pass out from the aroma, but like it's they don't do a lot of figure. 
they don't do a lot of figure candles, right? That's why Wicks and Sticks was so awesome. You need an old man candle, Wicks mm. and Sticks. You need a candle in the shape of a weird kind of like dark crystal Muppet bird, <laughs> like Wicks and Sticks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Were, were they scented to reflect the shapes that they wore too? Like, would there be like old man scent? Because <laughs> I'm really into that yeah. idea. Uh, okay, so there, so a flavor house that we used to work with, David Michael, had a, a a scent called like Old Man Flavor and Body, and it was a whiskey flavoring. Also, I, one I woman might... wanted to make Dave's musk scent, which is so disgusting. Remember that, Dave? Well, the idea is disgusting. I wouldn't uh, co-sign that I am person. I mean, I am disgusting, but not because of my aroma. <laughs> Uh, she was so into it it's just so gross to think how about. do you do that do you take samples of like your sweat i don't know man i don't know she's she's an expert i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know all right, <laughs> all right. Hey, I'm... clayton, hey, in, Rebecca, the chat to claims, clayton yeah. in the chat claims that they saw someone having a seizure in yankee candle because of the smell at least that's why they assume it happened <laughs> 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 That's yeah, amazing, wow. but also Dan I hope they're well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, that, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for being a human, Joey. You're like, you're welcome. Oh, I hope that person's yeah. still alive. It's <laughs> kind of, it's kind of rare when that happens, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You're, you're the North Star on this show. <laughs> to answer your question, Rebecca, no, the figure they had scented candles at Wicks and Sticks, but the figures were not scented because back in the '70s, people would buy these candles and then not burn them they would just sit on your shelf for decades it was weird anyway uh all right in the uh so if you get this book which by the way like i gotta be honest with you joey when someone pitched this book to come on I'm like really come on man come on it's not our style and i read it i had to say yeah. it's a charming book it's a Thank charming you. book and uh because i like the attitude your attitude is hey listen like i spend all day like for work dealing with these finely nuanced freaking things mm -hmm. and sometimes i just want what i freaking want and i just want it and we all do and you should embrace that would you say it's accurate 100 percent. i always say i'm a professional eater not a professional chef and i this book has actually been an education for me i didn't go to culinary school i was learning things along the way i worked with the recipe developer and i'm the first to admit that so yeah i wanted these no fuss recipes but I also like wanted people to not be as intimidated by the kitchen because frankly, the majority of my cooking was done at three in the morning, coming back from the clubs and kind of throwing things in a pot and seeing what happens. And I wanted these recipes to be translated into things that you can actually make or the general public can actually make, but have them be fun. And if they mess things up along the way, you can I, like at least make fun of me instead of putting so much pressure on yourself. So yeah, that's totally my tone. It's just, Good, basic food, simple food, foods that have, you know, you have all the ingredients in your pantry most of the time. Um, well, you're not afraid to, you, you're not afraid to be like, listen, buy the sumac. That, you know what I mean? I'm like not, you call yeah. sumac or, mm -hmm. and like, you know, you, you, you know, you call for cotija and crema, which kudos, I do. everyone should have cotija in their, in their fridge for when they run out of their uh, other grated cheeses. But like, by the way, interesting call crema. You use crema several times, and I did not know that that had become like a like a general knowledge thing, or is it not a general knowledge thing yet? To just use crema. Well, well, when you say crema, I assume I assumed you meant like crema mexicana, like the very Mexicana, yeah, the very yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could get like is, the cacique one, yeah. 
is that a general knowledge thing at this point or is that still like rather you need to live in the right neighborhoods um almost kind of live in the right neighborhoods which i feel i feel like that was the other kind of um side of basic bitching is that you know obviously it's very it's very simple it's very approachable but a true basic bitch also loves trendy things, you know, like she or she will be like, Ooh, Moringa, you know, I want to put that in my smoothie and they have no idea what the hell it is, but because someone said it's going <laughs> to, you know, do something good for them, make their skin glow a little bit more, they'll add it. So I feel like grandma's one of those things, you know, you see maybe like Aron Sanchez, you know, cooking with it all the time. You're like, Ooh, that looks good. It's creamy and it's on Mexican food. Why the hell not? You know? So um, I think it's like a little bit of both. I think it's become definitely more mainstream, but it's also one of those things that's like extra. <laughs> right. But, well, yeah. and, and in your book, you put things that are crazes that you don't necessarily like. You do kale chips, although you admit that you actually like kale chips. I detest yeah. almost all. I mean, like the whole kale thing, I don't get. I like cooked kale as green, but like okay. kale chips aren't kale chips aren't bad. But or like you have a you 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 know you you went through you say a whole bunch of iterations to come up with a uh, a smoothie that you found tolerable. Right. Yeah. 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 Because you're like, yeah. you realize that your reader is going to want these kinds of things. So at least you want something that's not like. Exactly. Um, you know, it, that's the thing. I wanted to tailor it around everyone's individual likes and preferences. And I also wanted to take dietary restrictions into consideration because people participate either in fad diets or they just have genuine, you know, health issues. And I wanted everything to just be easy enough so that it was customizable. But um, it's funny you say you, you like a cooked kale as opposed to a kale on its own. Cause I actually prefer, I don't like cooked. If I, well, a, I should, I should preface this by saying if I cook kale, I should be putting on a pair of depends also because it just does not work with my stomach. <laughs> so, but the best uh, kale salad yeah. that I swear will change your mind is at the Hollywood Roosevelt. It's so specific. I know, but they do a kale salad with a garlic vinaigrette with like Parmesan cheese and pancetta and pine nuts and currants. It is life-changing if you hate kale just just fly to la when you can and go to the hollywood roosevelt and get their kale salad <laughs> <laughs> so i'm okay. telling you it'll change your mind and i make it now almost every christmas so that sounds lovely oh well I, and speaking of kale going through your system when it's cooked you have a get your motor running recipe for your celery uh green juice but <laughs> is that the reason most people eat those things is to get their motor running because me i just drink espresso yeah, there you go. I mean, so it's so funny. I actually just started drinking coffee because of the, those issues. I actually have colitis, so I have to be very careful with what triggers a flare-up. Um, trigger, I feel like, is the key word for the day, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, so I just now have become accustomed to being able to drink coffee. But yeah, I think, but I do think beyond just intestinal benefits, with a lot of these smoothies and juices that I put in the book, it really is just capitalizing on these health trends that like Kylie Jenner, you know, posts about on Instagram. It's like, this makes my skin beautiful. And while we can poke- the tea. Yeah. It, like it, diet uh, tea. The tummy tea. Yeah. <laughs> and while we like definitely poke fun in this whole book is, you know, it's equal parts self-deprecating. It's, it's also equal parts. No, there is some science behind a lot of these ingredients that are trending based on studies that were done that are supposed to help you with either your skin, your hair, your nails, your, you know, your immunity. Uh, so that's why it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I, I can't, 
Like you and I, I'm not going to get into the health arc. I don't, I'm one of these guys who like, I just like, I'm going to eat stuff that's delicious. Yes. A wide variety in moderation. And like, that's my only, that's my only uh, health thing that I will ever believe in. Although, yeah. Like I say, we got in a huge argument. Nastasi got very mad at me. I believe that sports trainers have like very like, you know, performance based individually tweaked out for each individual human and blah, blah, blah. I believe all of that's true. So. I'm not going to get into it because I don't want Nastasi to get mad at me again. Uh, just so you can get a tone for the book. You know how every book has, uh, you know how every book has like little things that they have in the sidebars or stuff like that. Like, you know, anyone who's written a book, we all do it. Right. But in this book, they are just the tips. <laughs> Literally can't even the more you glow and basic basics. So like, uh, that, cause that gives you an idea of the, of, and some of the tips actually, uh, pretty good i have to say some of the tips are some of the tips are pretty good um, yeah. if i'm being honest yeah. too a lot of those tips i learned as i was making these recipes because again i went into this kind of ignorant i'll be honest and when i would make something and throw like a dash of you know hot sauce in i would need that translated by a recipe developer being like okay that's going to be a quarter teaspoon and so when i'm delving deeper into what i've been cooking all these years I, you know, was doing a lot of research and thinking, what tips can I provide that I would have wanted to know, you know, as I'm making my own recipes and that's how they, that's how they happened. So <laughs> it's my own ignorance that inspired it. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Appeal. Here at HRN, we care about reducing waste across our food system from farms to home kitchens. We know that about half of the produce we grow ends up in the trash. We all want to enjoy produce at peak freshness and reduce the amount that gets thrown away. That's where Appeal comes in. Appeal is a plant-based protective layer that helps produce last up to twice as long. It's edible, invisible, and imitates how peels naturally protect fruits and vegetables. Because here's the thing. Less waste doesn't just mean that we're throwing less food away. It also means we throw away less water, energy, and other resources that go into growing produce. Appeal works with nature to reduce waste across the food system, from the farm to the kitchen. Appeal helps us to conserve our precious resources to ensure that we have fresh food to meet our growing needs. Appeal, food gone good. Learn more at appeal.com. So going over your recipes, I noticed that a couple of interesting things. Like uh, one is, is that when you make a dressing, not your Caesar actually, like kudos to you. Like your Caesar is very like traditional, which I feel like you never get a traditional Caesar salad. My anymore. mom's. Like, yeah. It's my mom's Caesar salad. <laughs> yeah. And that, that is real. While I enjoy what is called creamy Caesar now, that is not a Caesar salad. It's not I enjoy, legit. It's not, I mean, like it's good. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's like a real Caesar is a thing and it's, it's rather austere and it's a thing of beauty. Although it yeah. needs the anchovies. If it's not enough of the anchovies to me, it's not worthwhile, but that's me. I'm an anchovy lover. Uh, I'm sure John has, uh, John, you have probably like very, uh, what's it called? Very strong thoughts about the Caesar, don't you? No? I do, yeah. When I worked at the Breslin, uh, April had some very strong thoughts about it as well. So picked up a lot of what, uh, what she did there. And was she, was she rather traditional in it or no? No, she kind of put her own spin on it, but very anchovy heavy. And then she put in, a, we put in a lot of blanched herbs in there as well. Give it a kind of green color. It was very good. Yeah. And, uh, Joey, by the way, you yeah. also have a cob recipe, which I appreciate. Everyone loves cob salad. Well, I was going to say the gag about the, the uh, I call it the mom's not so Sicilian, Sicilian Caesar salad is because, I mean, you guys know this probably, Caesar salad is not actually Italian. 
And um, my mom, just because I come from a big Italian family, always assumed that because she didn't put a mayonnaise creamy base to her Caesar, that it just made it Sicilian. <laughs> right, and right. I had to it's show her that is there's no such thing as a Sicilian Caesar salad. <laughs> and <laughs> she's been, there is now, but she was calling that my, she's calling it that my entire childhood. Um, so that is just a funny little story about, yeah, how it's actually a more authentic Caesar, but um, it, it's definitely not Sicilian. <laughs> so. so, but in, in your potato salad, right? In your potato salad, you know, cl- classic, like, you know, mm-hmm. celery, onion, all that stuff, but your, your dressing, instead of it being like, like very mayonnaise heavy is a more traditionally salad dressing situation of like buttermilk, sour cream, and mayo. What made you go with that? I, I don't know. I'm just like, it's, it's weird. I think with the potato salad, it would, that was definitely one of those things where it was just, those are the ingredients I had in my fridge. Other than the buttermilk, I don't always have buttermilk in my fridge, but um, I, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's just, I, I actually let, wanted that recipe. Now that I'm thinking about it and when I was developing it, I wanted it to be more mustard heavy than anything. I love a Dijon. I love a sharpness. I think I have like two tablespoons of Dijon and two tablespoons of whole grain mustard, I want to say. So Fine. I, when it comes to potato salad, when it came to that specifically, I was more into just the sharpness of it all. Um, and I don't want something super creamy to counter that. I don't know. That's just, it was a personal preference for me. I'm a mustard whore. Like I'm the type where if you go in my fridge right now, I have at least 15 open jars of mustards. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. I'm a mustard whore too. Yeah. I mean, I just, there's one recently. Oh my gosh. I have to give you a Family show. Um, (laughs) They. Mustard lover for Mustard lover. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, No, there's a dill pickle mustard that I just tried. It is life changing um i'm pretty sure you could just put it in amazon i bought it at Publix when i was in Florida. and if this is uh this is coming from someone who was struck by lightning saying that this mustard is life-changing <laughs> yeah. it's it's my favorite so yeah long Wait, story where, short, are you right, where are you right now that you're going to a Publix? you're not no I'm, I'm back in new york but i was i was home for thanksgiving um for about a month so <laughs> yeah yeah Publix, man i haven't been in a Publix in like 15 years where What's shopping a, uh, is a pleasure yeah, yeah. You ever you ever go out to LA and shop at Ralph's? I sure have. <laughs> I knew Ralph's was coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The store that sounds like you've thrown it up already, Ralph's. Um, Should do their marketing. And, yeah, yeah. So in your potato salad recipe, you intimated that people don't like potato salad anymore. Is that true? I think so. I found it to be very polarizing, and it's because I think a lot of them are just so heavy with the mayonnaise that it makes it turn into a mush. And then when you're bringing it to a picnic during the summer and you're, it's getting to room temperature, it's just people look at it as a side of mush. For me, I don't mind it. Cause I love that texture play. Like I'm the type of person where I like soggy cereal. Like I'll go take a bowl of life cereal and let it sit out for 15 minutes before I even eat it. Um, <laughs> but we found actually a chow hound that potato salad was really like off-putting and polarizing for people. We had no idea, <laughs> but it was a texture thing. Huh, mm-hmm. yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, so now listen, I'm gonna give you one where I think we totally agree. Okay. And then <laughs> one uh, one where I totally disagree with you. I'm gonna read this uh, section. Uh-oh. Uh, 
the person who invented the open floor office plan deserves each and every one of life's misfortunes. This also <laughs> applies to the person who decides to eat trail mix in an open office floor plan. There is a time and place for crunch. PM on a Thursday during literal crunch time is not ideal, Karen. And while my trail mix, chock full of nuts, dried fruit, and chocolate may be hard to resist, it's certainly more appreciated on a hike during a walk through a park or post Barry's boot camp when your cringeworthy chewing noises can be masked by chirping birds and babbling brooks. Thank you in advance for attempting to not turn to be an awful human. Now, I hate crunching, especially okay. when I'm hungry <laughs> or when I'm working on cooking somebody else's food or when I'm trying to read or do anything. Crunching is a no-no. Okay. So I appreciate this section. But do you agree about the, off the open office floor plan as well? Because I, uh, I loathe them. <laughs> oh, they're bad. But like, to me, like, to me, that's like old, that's like, that's like old bad. That's like George Bush. For, I'm not going to get into it. Like, that's like, that's like the old bad. You know what I mean? Like the new bad is you don't even have your own place in an office floor. You have True. to put your Robing. cat in a cubby at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Anyway, Dave, was the, would you say the last open office floor plan you worked in was um, the sheep heart uh, setup that you uh, had I mean, on? Maybe. Nastasia and I worked in an open office. It was the trash room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nastasia and I had that open trash room. It was like, sweet. Now my, now my wag of the finger. Truffle Mac. Truffle Mac. Dude, you gotta understand, uh -huh. like as a guy in his late 40s, like, you know, I'll be 50, 50 next year, right? Like I grew up in the era when people just like cracked open that bottle of truffle oil and were like okay. all over everything. You walk into like, <laughs> like imagine like early Stanton social, like where like it was already like over, but for some reason, like everyone coming in across every bridge and tunnel they could find still wanted their pizza like crust soaked in truffle oil and yeah. you would walk past the bar and be like whoa ah! so <laughs> those were basic like, bitches they want their truffle oil <laughs> but what but you disagree with the truffle mac and cheese just in general <laughs> it's like it's like uh i almost had like both like i almost had wiley dufresne my brother-in-law hold me down to have dave chang punch me in the face because i was making a pitch this is in like 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 2002 or 2004 maybe 2004 2004 yeah i was making a pitch for wasabi mashed potatoes because i think that they taste good yeah and they were like they were like it's absurd it's culturally bad it's made by bad people for bad reasons i was like the problem is dudes it tastes good you know what mm. i mean like that's the issue i have with it is that it tastes good i was like do you like horseradish mashed potatoes and they were like yeah and i was like okay but what if it is wasabi instead? And mm -hmm. then like, it was like, it was like knockdown dragon. Maybe it was a pie. Anyway, or taking uh, like an actual wasabi root and grating it instead of using that, you know, green. <laughs> what's, what's, what's up, Richie Rich? Uh, I mean, so anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you'll appreciate this about the truffle mac and cheese. I did make a point of saying in the book that a lot of truffle oils are actually synthetically flavored. And I said that on uh, Wendy Williams oh, a few weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I say to use a truffle butter because you can see the flecks of the actual truffles in it. But yeah, it's a little bit more bougie. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I appreciate I, that. I, yeah, I mean, but it was funny though because I was on the Wendy when I was on Wendy. She could not have cared less. <laughs> she was just like, really. okay. yeah, she liked it. I was it. gonna say, what was she? I was gonna say, what was she like? It was unique. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I've taken, it was just weird. It was like a complete 180 for me because I used to take talent to her show when I was a publicist. I actually took Mama June there to make Skeddy, which is literally just butter and ketchup and noodles. (laughs) And she started the segment with a lie. I mean, I'm not going to blame her for it because Wendy interviews thousands of people all the time. And she said, when you were here last, you shouted, oh, I'm Mama June's personal chef. You'll see me back here. And I... A, never said that. I was like, where did that come from? So she started the segment like that. So imagine me literally wanting to crap my pants when that happened. Because I'm like, no. Then I wanted to make it very clear that I was not uh, the personal chef of a woman who eats roadkill. (laughs) And literally like ketchup butter noodles. So then that moment had to happen. And then it was like, okay, I guess I'm going to cook now. (laughs) Um, so it was a very unique experience, but like, she's, I mean, she was a sweetheart. She really did like the food. Um, it just was very jarring for me, live television, when that's the first thing that came out of her mouth and I had to correct her and be like, I was her publicist, not her chef. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, similar thing. You're the chef for her, for her, her, the chef of her information. How about that? I don't, I don't think she would have gone for that metaphor, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bit of a stretch, but I, I feel yeah. like you, uh, I corrected her there immediately. Well. <laughs> All right. I mean, okay. now like in terms of kind of like over the top, first of all, uh, before I get into this quesadillas, people need to not hate on quesadillas because they are delicious. I got to talk to you about your gluten-free tortilla recipe. It's yeah. tapioca and chickpea. So presumably chickpea gives it some protein structure and the tapioca gives it some stretch, but how is it compared to, how is it compared to an actual like flour tortilla? They're good. Here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you. This, I'm going to cancel myself right now. I'm actually one of those types of people who I'm not obsessed with quesadillas. (laughs) I mean, I, I think they serve a purpose. You put a crap ton of cheese on them. It's the best, like, I would say junk food. A lot of this food is junk food in my book. Um, but it's like something that I would crave three in the morning. Something I could dip something into. These hold up and I, it is because of the tapioca flour. And I did want to bring in a chickpea flour to, because I think that was having a moment last year with the protein, um, with the, obviously the protein amount. But I personally would not be going for a gluten-free tortilla. Um, I would be just, you know, noshing on one chock full of gluten. But these yeah. these hold up. I just I again it was like I wanted to create something that would appeal um, to someone who maybe did have dietary restrictions. But they why why was chickpea why was chickpea having a moment? It's just one of those things again. Being in food editorial, and it's funny because a lot of it's usually an SEO game. You kind of see what's trending and you want to like write about it and be page one on Google. <laughs> and chickpea uh-huh. flour was one of those things. I think obviously flour alternatives were having a big moment. Most people were going towards almond, coconut, uh, but not realizing that there was a chickpea flour that was on the market. And chickpea flour is actually quite common. Uh, but when you can use it for something as simple as a quesadilla and something that is so mainstream, you know, a lot of light bulbs went off for a, a general or typical consumer. So yeah, lo- um, long ago, I was taught that chickpea flour is the secret to a crispy dosa. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So speaking of over the top recipes, what about these bacon? I forget the title you gave them, but these bacon meat and cheese tubes. <laughs> the bo- <laughs> Are you talking about my mini meatloaves? <laughs> yes. I was like, are you talking about the everything pigs and a fluffy down comforter? (laughs) No, we could talk about, we could, we we could talk about that because I, I I appreciate the everything bagel mix, which everyone should have around. But I I recently had a bad moment with everything bagel mix because, uh, 
Well, um, the garlic and the and the and the onion flakes they burn like a mother. Like you got to keep mm. your oven temperatures low. So I was making bagels, and like I got a lot of scorching on that. I think the reason they don't sell everything bagel mix at the store is because it it stratifies so quickly. All the poppy seeds go in one direction, and the garlic goes, and the onions go in the other. But uh, your your recipe is cooked at four hundred. So I don't think you're going to get scorching on the everything bagel. And I think it was only on the top of my memory serves. So I don't think you're going to get scorching problems. But I had real scorching no. problems on 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 mine. But yeah, no, I was not talking about that. I'm talking about your mini meatloafs, which, yeah. by the way, if if you did believe in health, this is a heart attack. This makes Jimmy <laughs> Dean pancake on a stick look like look like uh, spa food. It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you want to describe these stuff? Yeah, so I grew up in a meatloaf family. Actually, I grew up, you know, meatloaf was, my mom made a very healthy version of meatloaf. She's actually a bodybuilder because she competes competitively competes competitively. Damn. Wow. I need, I need more coffee. Um, yeah. So she was all about high protein, lots of vegetables, but as a result, she wasn't putting in a lot of the good stuff, you know, like she wasn't putting in a lot of cheese. She really didn't bind it with the bread. Um, so I kind of wanted to flip the script a little bit and do mini meatloaves wrapped in bacon and have it be a meatloaf that I enjoy. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I added a little bit of sugar um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty traditional other than I don't really use ketchup and I know that's polarizing for people. Um, cause I know some people are like, they, they're loyal to their ketchup and their meatloaf. <laughs> I don't know. I what mean, are your thoughts ketchup. on that? Ketchup. Thanks. It's America's favorite ketchup. I you know. know like, but mm. Oh, by the way, I'm assuming everyone here watches supermarket sweeps. They did a ketchup thing and and uh, supermarket sweep and Hunts paid for it. I was like, yo, Hunts, really? Come on. You know what I'm saying? It's so funny because I actually did a series at Chahong called Sauced. And our first episode, it was me just taking five of the highest ranked condiments on Amazon in a category. And um, Hunts was a part of it. I did a ketchup episode. But Hunts did not get last place. <laughs> no, but, Hunts is fine. Hunts, but Hunts got like third. Hunts. Yeah, oh, right. hi, yeah. Heinz. Heinz is the one. Heinz got the one. Second. Heinz got second. There what? was one called Camden's, and it was amazing. It was it had a little Cam- bit of jalapeno. Camden, New Jersey? I think it was based out of Seattle, this place. Oh, Jesus. All right. So uh, uh, so in terms of bringing things back, what's up, cheese ball? You're like, cheese balls are great. And guess what cheese balls are? Cheese balls are great. People, if you've never lived in the 70s before, please think about the cheese ball. Do you want to talk about cheese balls, Joey? I love a cheese ball moment. Um, I love also that they're completely customizable. So Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, based on the season, you can kind of throw in what you want. I actually just made one. Um, What the hell did I put in it? I think I like topped it with figs and I threw in like a little bit of blue cheese um, I don't know. Joey, it was... I did that too. Wait, I mean, really? We just had cheese ball for Halloween, and it Are was with that. We soulmates. <laughs> um, but yeah, the one in the book is you know I think the classic is to cover it obviously with pecans and the pimento cheese, and it's very southern. And I lived in Georgia for seven years as a kid. I moved in fourth grade, so a cheese ball was always on the table with a southern spread. Along with, um, you know, homophobia and racism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. You know, that's Southern upbringing. I'm kidding. That's stereotyping, but it definitely did exist. (laughs) 
They don't know what happened so, at your table. You know? <laughs> and I'm not saying it was my family's table. I went to a lot of parties. So <laughs> my parents are very, yeah, my parents are very accepting of me. So, <laughs> so in, in your, in your cake after speaking of Southern food, I have a, here's another question I have for you because yeah. this is what I like. So you try to draw that you, you, you kind of walk this like interesting line where you're doing like, what you call like, you know, basic bitch recipes, but then mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going what I would consider like the go-to on the ingredient. You're going a little deeper. For instance, mm -hmm. in, your in your queso, you give what I think is a great tip, which is to go to the deli counter and ask for them to hot, you know, hack off a piece of that government cheese and hand you the block yes. so you can grate it, which, right, that's the way to do it. Like everyone knows who knows that that's the way you do it, but then you don't go Rotel. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, because I'm not hashtag sponsored. So if I would have gotten money, I would have called. No, <laughs> um, I would have yeah, changed my mind. That. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, you, you know, can't what? just give it away for free. I think know? kind of the yeah, exactly right. I think the mentality I had was just I people don't understand that there's so many ways to approach a grocery store that they don't realize. Like even just during Thanksgiving, my mom. Um, wanted to make short ribs. And um, there was a very specific type of cut that it called for. I'm like blanking on the name. Um, but she didn't know that she could just go to the butcher at Publix and be like, can I have it cut this way? So I wanted to just show that you can kind of befriend your everyone at your local grocer and ask for things that are very specific and they will more likely than not cater to what you want and need. And nine times out of 10, the quality of the ingredients, um, instead of getting that generic mainstream crap that's chock full with artificial ingredients, like it's just, everything's just going to be better. Um, so I just, yeah, my goal was to like how to take something very basic, something very mainstream, but just elevate it the slightest bit. And even if you don't do that and you want to do the Rotel, you know, situation, God bless. That's fine too. You know, work, work with what you have, but Kind of just wanted to show people that there is a a life to the grocery store beyond just walking around dreary eyed with a shopping cart and and literally hating yourself. <laughs> no, no. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Do you actually like stevia or do you just know people are going to use it and you thought the lemonade would hide, hide it? <laughs> I actually do use stevia. I think it's the best sugar substitute. I know a lot of people hate that. Oh bitterness. my God. I know. This is, okay, this is where my bodybuilder mom, you know, influenced me. She puts stevia on everything. Uh, does it replace sugar? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? But um, I, I don't know. I still think stevia and monk fruit are neck and neck with the best sugar substitute. If I do anything with like aspartame, sucralose, I again will need a hashtag sponsored by Depends. So, dude, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to agree to disagree, but I will, okay. I will give I will give you that because of your Ziploc with the with the Frosé, which is a which is a good move. The okay, Frosé with the yeah. Ziploc. That, so I'll, I'll give you I'll give you that. Uh, I have it in my freezer right now, actually. <laughs> that's smart. That's smart. You know what? It's always the right weather for rose. People need to stop only drinking rose and pink stuff in the summertime. I think. I agree. And people don't realize just how easy Frosé is. They think they need like a, a like a, almost like a Mister's like, uh, what are those machines? What were the icy machines? The like one of those yeah, slushy yeah, machines. Yeah, slushy machines. Yeah, 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 and I'm like, no, you literally just need a blender, you know, throw in some strawberries, lemon juice. Strawberries will help bulk it up a bit too, because it does melt quickly. Um, and ice, like it's, it's not difficult. <laughs> and it's amazingly yeah. refreshing year round. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right, so three three or four quick things because then Matt's going to kick us off. One, okay. did you invent the term micro-influencer? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's been around. We, we, we use that to um, talk about people who think they're more important than they actually are. <laughs> that is... That is my favorite new con- new to me concept is the micro influencer. <laughs> but there is a, a value to being a micro influencer because a lot of these people who have, let's say, under 25,000 followers, mm-hmm. they have a very dedicated and loyal following who will literally buy whatever they are told to buy. So engagement, um, engagement exactly. So now more brands, and this is the media geek, you know, coming out in me more brands are turning towards micro-influencers to do hashtag sponsor posts because they know they're going to get a greater return. Whereas these bigger, you know, influencers, they kind of just post something, it goes to die, you know, weeks later, and um, they don't really get so much of a return on their, you know, people aren't really buying the product. It's just a, a glamour shot, so. Yeah, yeah. All right, also quick, you have a bone to pick with people who blame their uh, their genes on their cilantro hatred. <laughs> Yes, but I get it. I mean, if there's science behind it, we're we're all pro science here, right? I don't know. Well, but the um, thing is, like, you, you think people yes. in Mexico don't have that that gene, and they all eat uh, all the food has cilantro. Like, there's, there's, it, some people they can taste the soapiness, yeah. and yet they still like it. True. I just, yeah. I mean, that was that's what's interesting because I grew up in a cilantro household, and we put that on everything, and I never tasted the soapiness. So when I actually worked for food and wine and wrote for them, when I was doing a lot of news stories, that's when that big study came out saying that, Oh, it's tied to a genetic thing. Um, so I forgave them <laughs> a little bit, right. but I don't know. Sometimes like super picky eaters just piss me off in general because I'm like, at least just try it, you know, or try it in a right. different way. And um, that was, yeah, that's the only reason why right. I included it. <laughs> All right, so, so, second to last thing. Uh, are you familiar, uh, Joey, with with dump meals? Yeah, of course. Okay, so your answer to the dump meal is the sheet pan dinner. Discuss. Yeah, so sheet pan dinner. I, like I said, I actually, even though I wrote a cookbook, I still prefer eating over cooking any day. Like the process is like very therapeutic for me. But there are just those times where I come home after a long day and I am tired. I don't even want to look at a stove. And sheet pan dinner is such an easy workaround where you just throw a protein, a starch, and a vegetable on one pan. They all have the same sauce. They cook for the same temperature. Uh, I cook at the same temperature for the same time, and you're done. 30 minutes tops. It's amazing. If you're like a busy mom or dad and you've got to come home and cook for a family, they're like the best choice. It's like a dump cake or dump meal. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and by the way, uh, I, I don't have time to go into it, but like one of the uh, later, someone someday asked me about planches and Jose Andres and constant temperatures and griddles. Uh, now, listen, before I go out, I can't let this go out without discussing pumpkin spice because, I, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the first thing you bring up in the, in the book. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the quote is. And by the way, in this, you admit to Uggs, at least a former Ugg, even though currently in your introduction, you are Ugless. Anyway, I'm Ugless. Uh, Ugless. Uh, on a scale of one to, I want to punch you in the face. I'm practically a broken jaw when it comes to how annoying I am about the arrival of fall. Uh, now, wait a minute. Here's a question I have for you. Over the past, now you probably wrote this book, what, a year ago, year and a half ago? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this last season, since mm-hmm. this book was in press, there was this anti-fall backlash 
where it was kind of labeled as a Karen thing. And by the way, you were relatively early on the Karen train because Karens are mentioned at least once or twice in this book. Man, <laughs> yeah, you have a finger, finger on the pulse. But like, what do you think? Do you feel that there is an anti-fall backlash or is it still, what's going on? I think, I don't know, this year, I think the sentiment is just do what makes you happy. Um, right. Obviously the fall... Fall brings up the association with the basic bitch lifestyle and then the basic bitch lifestyle brings in the negative aspects like the Karens of the world who are getting way too much screen time with society. <laughs> and I kind of now approach fall like I always have been, even though it's turned into a stereotype with wearing the Burberry scarf and the Uggs and going to Central Park and taking pictures with your pumpkin spice latte under a tree that's really pretty. Live your life. If it feels good, if it tastes good, Treat yourself because this has been a rough time for everyone. So I don't understand the backlash. I think everyone just needs to kind of do, just do what makes them happy and shut up if it doesn't affect Man, you. Well, <laughs> I wish I could. I, I wish I could end on that because that's nice. But I have to ask you some questions about the recipe in general. Okay, yours actually have pumpkin in them, which is unusual, right? They yes. don't normally have pumpkin, do they? No, it's like usually a syrup. If you go to Starbucks, it's the you know the pre-pump syrups. Yeah, I mean, I I make full disclosure. My you know in the morning. Jen, my wife, has lattes, and in the winter time, fall, winter, I make her a pumpkin spice mix so that she can have, you know, that in her in her stuff. But it's just a syrup. I never considered uh, this whole actual pumpkin. And what does that do to it? But then you need the cream, right? Otherwise, the structure won't be there. Like, do you need it to be thicker then? Yeah. So what I actually do is I cook down the pumpkin, and there's also controversy around, you know, canned pumpkin not being actually pumpkin. But <laughs> if you want to get is, the, what, the what, what is it? That it's actually like a, a pumpkin so expensive that I, I can't know. afford real pumpkin. What the hell? I, exactly. I mean, there's controversy that it's actually like squash or like a type of squash oh, and not geez, actual pumpkin. Please. I know. Hey, but hey, do, hey, hey, people, do you know what pumpkins are? They're squashes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's that's a whole deep dive that you could do an, an entire episode on. But um, yeah, no, you just cook it down on the stove. What I actually do is I take it off of the stove and I put it in a blender um, and I mix it then, you know, with the sugar. Um, and then is when I, I, I also put in the milk to kind of make it a little bit frothy. Um, uh, but the whipped cream is actually just the topper, um, just to make it pretty. And, um, but really it's, it's, it's about taking it from the stove, putting in the milk, frothing it up. And then obviously you have to have your homemade pumpkin spice blend, which is completely customizable. If you think like cloves are too strong, well, I noticed you know, no so. nutmeg. I noticed no nutmeg, Joey. No, I have nutmeg. You are what? lying to me. Nutmeg is in what? the recipe. Let me see. Let me see. Flip to page one. Yeah. And, 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 while, while I'm looking, while I'm looking, let me see here. Okay, three, I three love tables. That it's actually, oh. on page one. Yeah. Three. Well, one, one, one. Page eleven. Eleven. Okay. Okay. Three tablespoons ground cinnamon, two teaspoons ground ginger. All right. So that's uh. By the way. So what do you think about people that use too much ginger and turn it into a gingerbread spice uh, latte? I know they can do whatever they want, but what do you think? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. I am personally- Oh, there it is, nutmeg. I, there you know, go. I glossed over, I went to Allspice. That's actually a lot of nutmeg. That's a lot I, of nutmeg. I love a nutmeg moment, but I actually really love ginger. Um, so if someone ODs on the ginger, I'm into it. I, I, I like a little ginger moment. How did I miss that? Because I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, where's the nutmeg? I must have just skipped right over it to the- but what are your thoughts on nutmeg versus mace? Ooh, uh, good question. I don't cook with or bake with mace um, often. Um, I, I just still prefer a fresh nutmeg. I, I'm, that, I'm that bitch who 
is, you know, grating it over stuff. And I actually put it in my macaroni and cheese too, because I believe that it's, yeah. that I like the nuttiness in a, in a, in a cream sauce, but. Um, but that's no, very classic, right, John? A little nutmeg in your, in your cream sauces? Yep. It is. So yeah, the French do it. And if the French say that it tastes better that way, then I'll, I listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I mean, you say that you can make it with 2% or skin, but you really hate those people, right? That's in your literally can't even. 100%. Like, I, I, if I could do heavy cream, <laughs> nah. just really nah. go crazy. <laughs> So thanks. Thanks for coming on and on the way out. Just listen to Stasi is judging you. I know you're a fan of Christmas songs. So you say, what's your favorite? My favorite Christmas song. Yeah. Of all time. Oh my gosh. It's gotta just be a Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you because I'm ah! basic. Thanks for coming on. Cooking Issues is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>